Hello everyone and welcome back to Mosser After Midnight. Today we will be talking about self-care, but it's going to look a little bit different than maybe what you've seen before. So go ahead and grab a nice warm drink of something that you love, maybe even a snack, and let's get into it. Alright, welcome back. I hope everyone has something nice and warm to drink, a snack if you need it, and are nice and cozy and ready for this episode. So I initially was planning to do an episode on menstrual magic today. Um, I was thinking about doing a series, you know, talking about sex magic and kind of delving into that, into some of um, the magic that comes with the usage of other bodily fluids, or a variety of bodily fluids, I suppose. But I still have a lot of research to do with that. I actually have a book that I bought and am reading through right now. And I actually just last night was like, oh, wait a minute, I have a topic that I would love to talk about, don't need to do extensive research on, and I think is very interesting. So when it comes to sort of spirituality and witchcraft and stuff like that, I think recently it's been very trendy to talk about self-care and advocate for self-care, which is wonderful. It's absolutely amazing and I'm glad for it. However, a lot of it is that sort of stereotypical, you know, taking bubble baths and, you know, doing things that oftentimes require having some measure of comfortable wealth. And so it's very often sort of um, aesthetic and it can be very, very income exclusive because if you don't just have, you know, a lot of disposable income, or maybe if you're like me, you live in a home that either doesn't have a bathtub or doesn't have one that you can comfortably take, you know, like those really big bubble baths, whatever, with like the little tray and you can have all your stuff. You know, it, it can be very sort of um, discouraging and I know for me at least, I sometimes feel a little bit excluded because as much as I would love to do that sort of stereotypical aesthetic self-care of like, you know, filling a bathtub full of, you know, wonderful oils and surrounding it with crystals and candles and taking some time to read, I can't do that just because of the logistics of... <laughs> my bathroom as well as you know I just don't have the disposable income to be able to afford things like you know bath bombs and exorbitant wonderful oils and you know just the flowers to throw in the water I really wish I did honestly as much as I will be talking about things that don't necessarily align with sort of the aesthetic sort of self-care that's advocated for. It is something I would love to participate in just because I love baths. I love to take time for myself and I think it would be a wonderful and very nourishing experience for me to do. However, you know, that's really difficult. Um, but with other stuff, uh, like with self-care, and I will be the first to admit, I love watching 
self-care videos and like what I do in a day videos on YouTube. Those are some of my favorite things. Um, I don't know what it is, but I, I just love it. And so one of the things that I see very often in those videos is along with like the baths, etc., is that these people will often, you know, spend time cleaning or cooking these really lovely meals. And <laughs> as someone at the ripe old age of 22, <clears throat> I have a messy home. I am constantly in the process of, you know, cleaning an area and then <laughs> just kind of letting it get into sort of a disarray all over again, even though I live by myself. And so it can be really difficult to do stuff, um, especially like big things of cleaning. If I don't have the energy or the motivation, I just won't do it for a while. And it can get very overwhelming as well as um, like with cooking. Unfortunately, I am one of those people. And this has to do not only with um, my income, but also with some sort of self-harm habits that um, I'm still trying to work through. So I virtually have no food in my house, um, especially not food for like a really good heartwarming meal. That happens very infrequently for me, let alone if I have the stuff. It's even more rare to uh, see me having the energy to actually go about preparing like a whole meal. So I really love the sort of aesthetic self-care that a lot of people are seeing. Um, however, I personally understand and know for many people, it's not very attainable. As well as when it comes to spirituality and sort of um, what people typically stereotypically see uh, with sort of advocation for self-care, it's sort of writing along the coattails of like the everyone needs therapy thing and like all of these things that kind of go hand in hand with that income exclusivity sort of factor and you know just a lot of things that can be very surface level so um it's also like people you know on the internet being like do your shadow work and <laughs> this crystal will do this for you or like stuff like that where it's just very surface level, sometimes very theatrical and oftentimes regardless of its effectiveness is not very attainable for a lot of people. Pardon me. So today I want to talk about self-care is magic. However, I want to talk about um things that aren't necessarily that surface level, things that uh, you might not recognize as self-care, but that are, and sort of discussing how self-care ties in with spirituality and how self-care can um, potentially, and not even potentially, I think for everyone, um, self-care can help with your spiritual practice, as well as just getting you in a better place um, in your day-to-day -day life. So the first thing I want to talk about is how I sort of think about self-care because I, again, I do have that sort of idea of that aesthetic self-care, the very sort of surface level, like take a night, take a hot bath, wear your fuzzy socks and watch a movie. 
you know, the sort of surface level, like, yes, it's self-care, you're taking time for yourself. However, in the long run, it doesn't do a lot to sort of um, truly take care of yourself because it's either um, not sustainable, you can't do it, you know, every single day sort of thing, as well as it just doesn't really get below the surface. So for me, self-care is not just about taking care of yourself and nourishing sort of like your physical and emotional self, such as with, you know, taking a bath or like sitting down and spending some time for yourself. For me, self-care is also about nourishing and nurturing your spiritual self, sort of getting your physical and emotional and mental self sort of at a better level so that you can deepen your spirituality so you are better prepared and better equipped to be able to help nourish your spiritual self as well. So the first thing I kind of want to talk about delving into that is self-care is shadow work. So I think a lot of people, at least for myself, when you hear the word shadow work, uh, what you might think about is sort of sitting down with a journal and confronting your deepest traumas. I will be very honest. I have that general idea in my head, but I also, for the life of me, just do not understand shadow work. I, for the past year, um, or at least a year ago, I remember this, this was really bizarre. It was like um, last summer, not this immediate one, but the one before. I was like, I really want to do shadow work. Like, I don't know about anyone else, but I want to confront, <laughs> confront the deep dark of myself. And I don't really know why, um, but it seemed like a challenge that I wanted to sort of get into. And I wanted to be able to get to the other side of that where I was a stronger, um, you know, more equipped person to handle the things in my life. So I did a little bit of research, you know, a lot of what I found on the internet um, through Google searches, through YouTube, through various witchy and spiritual and pagan resources is a lot of just like journal prompts. And as much as I think those can be valuable, a lot of them didn't go into detail, didn't really sort of um, spell out what shadow work was supposed to be in those instances. And very often it's like, I, I mean, I, I did do some journal prompts um, trying to start my shadow work journey. And it was like, I would sit down with these prompts and I would like write out my answers and I would just be like, okay, I wrote it down, what now? And so it really didn't do anything for me. I will be honest, it did not do anything for me. And I was kind of like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. So I think a lot of people sort of have shadow work in mind um, in a way that's very vague and not particularly helpful. And I definitely think shadow work is not just answering journal prompts and sitting in a dark room and crying. So shadow work for me 
at this present moment how I conceptualize it, how I see it, how I try to um, incorporate it in my life is that shadow work is the act of confronting yourself um, daily in sort of your as you are doing life, not necessarily just sitting down a journal, but recognizing your actions and behaviors and mindsets and um, your past traumas and actively trying to not only combat them, but to understand them so you can grow from them. And for me, self-care is a very active work of shadow work. Um, so I will tell you guys a bit about me. If you don't know me personally, I am someone who has had lifelong depression. Um, I remember being a child and just being so upset all of the time, constantly feeling isolated. Um, going into middle school, I had a really big move from Indiana down to San Antonio, Texas. So it was cross country, north to south. That's when sort of my destructive, depressive habits really started. I gained a lot of weight and because I moved at the end of fifth grade going, um, well, not the end of fifth grade, the end of um, sort of the first semester, you know, before winter break, I believe we moved in December. Um, because of that, I was right at the age I had hit puberty, I had had my first period at this point, so I was really going through sort of the <laughs> teenage angst because I was getting into that at a really young age. And I remember just getting into this terrible, terrible mindset of um, wanting to control my eating and control my exercise. And for the first time in my life, I was and wanted to harm my body in various ways and so right now i will give you guys a content warning because i will go a little bit more into detail about my journey um and it does include stuff with physical self-harm um such as cutting as well as um my eating disorder so if those are sensitive topics for you if those are triggering topics go ahead and skip ahead um until I'm no longer talking about it. So for me, after that, um, after I moved to Texas, we were only there for six months, then we ended up moving back up north, and we actually um, went back to my birth town in Michigan, and that's where I spent the vast majority of my middle school experience. Through this time, I had started to physically self-harm in various ways, um, all of them, you know, really being cutting, um... I also was developing a really bad eating disorder that I still struggle with today. And once we moved back up north, you know, I was trying to do excessive amounts of exercise. I attempted to purge. Um, didn't work out for me. But mostly what I was doing was I just had these terrible, terrible cycles where I just wouldn't eat and then I would binge eat. And it was, it was not a good look. And then when I got into high school, my eating disorder was a little bit more chill for a while. Um, my depression had chilled out up until 
if I'm remembering correctly, I believe it was the spring semester of my junior year. And that's when my really hardcore depression came back. So at that point, I had actually started going to therapy for the first time. Because at that point, a lot of my issues stemmed around my relationship with my mom. And so, um, despite the fact that my eating disorder, like, wasn't controlling my life at that point, and I wasn't self-harming anymore, I just was so depressed, and I had so much anger, uh, towards my mother. And I'll be honest, I don't even really remember what set it off, and, like, how my therapy journey at that time had... <laughs> led to just being this whole thing about my mother um because I mean I understand from a logistical standpoint because I still have a lot of those same feelings today however it just the way it sort of controlled my life at that time and sort of took over is is kind of crazy and I really don't remember how it got to that point but I did start my therapy journey there at the very tail end of my high school career and it was, it was okay. Um, I don't think it really did like too much. And then I graduated and I went to college and suddenly I just like was okay with my mom once I started college. And, um, yeah, I, I went into my first year of college because I went to a private Lutheran university you know, that was predominantly white, my first year, I was not very happy. I ended up being, you know, roommate-less, as I believe I've talked about on here before. Um, so that was really nice. I got to have the independence that I wanted and needed. However, I just did not feel like I fit in. I did not feel like I belonged there. And a lot of that had to do with my socioeconomic background, you know, as a brown person, that was poor, <laughs> had always been poor, was going to this private university, you know, with all of these rich white kids. I was just like, yeah, no, this, this isn't for me. And I actually, I started going to therapy again at my university and it was okay. It was okay. I actually went for two years consecutively my sophomore year, I went through grad students, I believe, because my, my freshman year, I was actually seeing the um, sort of head of the counseling center at my university, and my sophomore year, because they have a program where they have grad students uh, who work in the counseling center, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, if they want to be my counselor, I'm cool with that. So I had two different ones. <laughs> And unfortunately, I ended up being sent to an inpatient unit because I had a plan to kill myself, which looking back is really funny because it was such a terrible experience. And I got sent there because I had a plan to kill myself, but no real intentions to comparatively to the past year or so. My depression back then was nothing. <laughs> I just had a plan. Because I think as a lot of people who struggle with, like, depression and anxiety and things like that that make a person, you know, consider, like, not wanting to be alive, it's just something that happens, you know, you think about it and it's like, 
sure maybe I don't want to do this now but like I sort of have this in my back pocket <laughs> which I laugh about but I think a lot of that comes from the fact that things have just been <laughs> so crazy and awful this past year that it's almost comical um some of my previous experiences but yeah so I got sent to an inpatient care unit and right after that I actually got into this really really intense sort of self-care regime um because my sophomore year I lived alone as well um so I really got into you know getting up at 6 a.m taking time to meditate taking time to read doing yoga every day and I was really just appreciating life, appreciating my solitude, and I actually got so much better. I was doing really, really well. And then at the end of my sophomore year, I started dating someone through the summer. Um, it was fine. And then they broke up with me right before I was supposed to go to France in the fall of my junior year. And I ended up not going, and it was just this huge crash back in the depression. Um, I don't remember at this time. I don't, I don't think, like, any of my really, really bad self-harming behaviors at the time had come back up yet. However, I mean, I was just constantly depressed, upset. I ended up having roommates um, my junior year. Um... When I got my second roommate my junior year, which would have been the spring semester right before COVID, I was like, okay, I'm starting to do a little better. I felt okay because after that breakup, I was spending almost every day still around my ex. We were actually dance partners, which was even worse. Um, so winter break had been a time to finally actually be away from her. Um, and then I came back and I was like, you know what? I'm good. All I needed was some time away from her. And so I was like, I was fine. So then I was like, good, right, Chili? Uh, got to spring break and my university did spring break or does spring break like the first two weeks of March. So we went home for spring break. And then I think it was like the second week of spring break when they were like, um, yeah, we're not going back to campus because COVID is like a really bad thing right now. That was the very beginning of the pandemic. And my depression just skyrocketed once again. Um, so at that point, I was really struggling um, with my eating habits again because I was at home with my mom. My mom didn't really have space for me because of my campus requirements of living on campus for three years. Um, I didn't technically live at home uh for those three years it was always space that was just enough for my mom and my brothers and so it was okay for me to be there for short periods of time however it was definitely not anything that I could do long term so for like two months I lived on my mom's couch and then I was like no I can't do this so I got a place the place I'm living in currently and it was great again uh, for that summer because I moved in, um, I believe it was like April 28th. So like going into May would have been the very end of my semester. So I was at home, you know, I was very excited to have my new home. And then it was great until Black Lives Matter uh, boomed. And I sort of had like a, a racial identity awakening and I just... 
was not good after that. After that, my eating disorder came back in full force. Um, I went like six months <laughs> where I would actively try to eat less than a thousand calories a day. And it was, it was just not good. I remember I was trying to quote unquote do intermittent fasting. So I, you know, would only eat for like a very short span out of the day. I even one time went three days without eating because I was like, yeah, I'm intermittent fasting. So, I mean, most of my diet at that time legitimately was just bone broth. Yeah, not a good time. And then after that, going into my winter break, because the pandemic had sort of gotten really, really bad again, and my depression was already just so bad. I, for the first time in years, I mean, I was at home alone. We had an extended winter break. Um, that first winter, so last winter during COVID, because uh, my university wanted to try and prevent sort of COVID being a problem on campus. So we didn't end up going back until the very end of January. So we legitimately had two months off for winter break. Um, so I spent a lot of time writing and like writing for me at that time. I've always loved writing. Writing has always been my big thing. I've always wanted to be a writer, like a published author. Writing at that time, which I had just gotten back into after like four plus years of not writing, it was very much so a form of self-care in that I was writing very dark material and in that way it was sort of allowing me to work through my very, very, very bad depression um, at a time when I was like, there's literally no point in being alive. It was sort of giving me a small purpose to keep going for a while and then yeah <laughs> I had a really bad spring semester because we went back on campus and I just was not feeling my majors I was really struggling because I was a senior and I had all of these things I had to do as a senior and then we got to the summer and I yeah not a good time. Well, it was and it wasn't. So last summer, not this immediate one, I had self-harmed for the first time in seven years. And it got to the point where I was like, I'm literally going to kill myself. Like, this is too much. I won't go into details about, like, what was happening. But it was to the point where I was like, if I do this again, I will literally be dead. There is no going back from what I'm doing to myself. So this summer, you know, I was still recouping from a lot of that. And um, I actually was starting training to get certified as a ballroom dance teacher, to teach as a ballroom dance teacher, uh, which required a lot of driving, a lot of money. I ended up, I mean, it was good, but it was also bad because I lost a lot of money and I just had a lot of not great time with my coach because <laughs> I, I just really don't think we mesh. And I went through this really weird, like, um, I don't know how to explain it, because, like, I'm on the arrow A spectrum, very much so someone who does not get sexual attraction 
or romantic attraction most of the time I am sex repulsed but <laughs> this last summer for some reason I was just like this is gonna be my hot girl summer this is gonna be my horny girl summer it was really bizarre but from there you know it was just I don't know that's a whole different story but we're here now <laughs> And so I wanted to sort of give that background because for me, when I do self-care, doing things like taking time to eat and make sure I drink enough water, spending time making myself meals, um, you know, making sure I shower and do this and that, you know, just various acts of physical self-care doing that for me is very much so a form of shadow work because I have spent most of my life self-harming in the way of depriving myself or harming my body by not giving it things that it needs particularly through eating and so to practice what seems like a very mundane sort of self-care action such as eating and drinking enough water for me I have to confront what has led me to throughout my life self-harm in the way of depriving myself of those things you know if I sit down or like you know I make myself a meal and I sit down to have it you know I try to savor the meal and it's not you know like just bone broth or like just a salad even though right now I've been craving salad so bad because I need the nutrients um it really is shadow work to sit there and be like, you deserve this. Not only deserve you deserve this, you need this. You need to eat. You need to have nourishing food. You need this action. You need this nourishment. For me, that's really hard. And it's so easy for me to go through my day and just be like, oh, I'm hungry. Well, I either A, don't have food, or B, don't have the energy or a desire to like make something and sit down and eat. Or maybe I'm even just like, I'm hungry, but also the idea of eating food makes me want to be sick. To sit down despite those things and be like, no, you need to eat. It is important that you eat and you deserve to eat. It's shadow work. I have to confront that deep, dark part of myself that says, no, you don't deserve to eat. No, you don't. You don't need to. So a lot of self-care when getting into sort of the nitty gritty and looking at self-care as magic, self-care itself can very much be so shadow work. So if there are aspects in your life that stem from trauma, especially, um, you know, sort of self-harm actions. And when I say self-harm, I do not only mean things like cutting. Self-harm is just that. It is the ways that you harm your body. And that's a very broad category. For me, a lot of my self-harm throughout my life has been not eating and pushing my body too far physically. Those are acts of self-harm. Not sleeping, self-harm. Sleeping too much, self-harm. If it's intentional. If you are doing it to yourself intentionally uh, for a negative reason that is self-harm. And so taking care of yourself, particularly physically, 
in the face of things like that, of, you know, negative self-harming actions, it can be shadow work because you have to confront yourself and be like, no, I'm going to take care of myself despite the fact that I have this big part of me that says don't do it or you don't deserve to do it. And going with that, self-care can be really, really big if you are sort of wanting to um, deepen that spiritual aspect, I suppose. So for me, not only is self-care an act of confronting myself, and that's sort of an act of shadow work, because I have to, you know, confront myself, confront my traumas, confront those deep-seated sort of behaviors in myself. It's also um, shadow work in the way that recently, in sort of discover discovering a few of my guides and um, kind of starting to work with them, and even something I have seen from multiple people, multiple people talking about their work with like deities and stuff. To have that sort of spiritual aspect, to have guides, to have ancestors, to have deities, to have whatever um, that is spiritual, be like, yeah, as a form of worship or reverence or whatever. I don't want like physical gifts from you or whatever. I want you to offer you taking care of yourself. And even if they don't demand it, or ask for it, I suppose demands a bit of a strong word, um, just offering that yourself as an offering to be like, yes, I want to worship you, work with you, honor you, and, you know, maybe I don't have physical gifts to give you, this or that, you know, maybe you don't give food offerings, maybe you don't give offerings of, like, I don't know, divination or whatever, something you can do, something that people are like, hey, this is an option. And some things that are asked of people is to work with spirit in the form of self-care. You know, one of my spirit guides, um, when I asked, because I have two presently that I know of, um, one was like, yeah, you can give me physical gifts. That's fine. I like blueberries for example because he likes blueberries but my other spirit guide she was like yeah you don't have to give me physical gifts what I want is for you to take care of yourself and so because that was so important to me like honoring her and sort of giving her an offering um whenever I would sit down and eat something or I started knitting. I, I was starting to learn how to knit and I was like, yeah, this is an offering to her because this is a form of self-care. This is a, you know, an action I'm doing to help nourish and nurture myself. And so the really big thing with self-care is magic that I kind of wanted to touch on today is the way in which it is shadow work for a lot of people. It can be shadow work. Um, but especially in the way that self-care is not just, you know, taking baths and eating food and drinking tea, you know, it's not just about that physical. A lot of it comes from, yes, you might have to start with the physical to be able to have a stable foundation for nourishing and nurturing the emotional, the mental, and eventually the spiritual. 
but you know, it's not just physical. As well as self-care doesn't just have to be like, oh, it's for you. It can also be a form of worship or a form of honoring spirit. You know, it it is important enough that it can it can be an offering, you know? So kind of going along with that and uh, sort of understanding that self-care is not just about the physical, but nourishing the fidget the physical the physical allows for <laughs> more room and better space to utilize magic and therefore you know sort of expand upon and nourish that spiritual i wanted to sort of give some of the things that i think are really valuable um self-care uh activities so a big one for me right now is taking care of my nails and so for me what this looks like um because all of my life, I have had a nail-picking sort of thing. Uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, they bite their nails. But all of my life, I have ripped my nails off when they get long. Like, the ends that stick off of the nail bed. Not, like, completely the whole nail off. Um, so, I've always done that, which has always made my nails very weak. It's always been painful because sometimes, you know, it does get to the bed. Um... I've always had a problem with picking the skin around my cuticles, which has for years and years and years, just, I have had the most terrible uh, sort of skin around my cuticles. Like I have scars and scabs all of the time. It was not a good look. And particularly because of the work that I've had to do in order to sort of sustain myself, it's been sort of worsened by that because I, you know, have spent most of my time working doing physical labor, um, and physical labor that also includes working with things like concentrated soapy water for 10 hours a day or whatever. So it's not been a good time. But recently I've got into painting my nails, and along with that I also use, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's like, um, Something you put on your nails to help strengthen them and take care of them, give them vitamins, etc. So I actually do my nails. Like I will take all my nail polish off. I will refile them. I will, um, you know, trim my cuticles if needed every two to three days. Not only is it fun because I get to sort of let my nails keep up with how I'm feeling, you know, paint them fun colors, but also... It's a form of self-care because I take the time for myself, not only just to enjoy my alone time, but I also take the time to take care of my physical body in a way that has, for pretty much all of my life, been a part of me that has caused me a lot of pain and a lot of distress um, and is often a part of my body that I have very much so harmed um, because of things like anxiety um, my sort of skin picking around my nails, that is definitely something that, um, arises from my anxiety about things. So taking time to do my nails, even though that seems mundane and seems maybe like, oh, that's not self-care. It is, it is to me. And it can be for a lot of other people, you know? So, you know, I, completely take everything off my nails, you know, file them, 
trim my cuticles if needed and then I put on that it's not polish but it's that whatever <laughs> that strengthens my nails and then I paint them and it's it's just time for me it's a time to take care of myself in a way that I have not ever taken care of myself um and this this one for me taking care of my nails is a lot less about sort of that shadow work aspect um it's I I don't know why I've always sort of picked my nails around that area so it's not really like I have to confront myself why do I hurt myself in this way it's just one of those things about me like you know people who bite their nails or I don't know other bite their lips just sort of those anxious unconscious actions like I know it's sort of an anxiety thing I don't know why it's that specifically though it's just something that I do so it's not sort of that form of self-care but it does allow me to take care of myself in a way that sort of makes me feel good about my physical which therefore gives me space to feel good in other areas of my life and because I've been taking care of my nails you know they're longer and look better than they have in years you know the skin around my nails my cuticles they're not all torn up and that gives me pride that makes me feel good and so from there that makes me feel better to go forward and do other things you know another thing is makeup and so I haven't been doing makeup a lot recently I sort of go through cycles uh, of like doing incredibly crazy makeup every single day and then just not wearing makeup ever but I know for a lot of people uh makeup is a form of self-care you know taking the time once again to sort of be with yourself and do something that you enjoy and for a lot of people makeup is artwork you know it's not for not for everyone is it sort of like trying to cover up insecurities and such for a lot of people it is just because they enjoy it it's fun and you know it's it's their time for themselves to express themselves so makeup is also self-care. Uh, for me, when I'm feeling it, it is a sign of like having extra energy, really being kind of at the top of my game because I will sit down to take that time. But if it's something you do every day just because you got to get up early to give yourself an extra time and it's your alone time to just do this one thing for you, that's a form of self-care. It'll make you feel better through the day if you enjoy it. And, you know, some people do glamour magic through makeup so it's also it's another way to utilize simple self-care of the physical to sort of nourish and develop that spiritual another one and this one is sort of more basic what you think of when you think of self-care um, is movement so this can be walking around this can be exercising uh, working out. This can also be yoga, and I know yoga is a really, really big one. Um, however, I kind of wanted to dive into this a little bit more because as much as I love yoga, and I do love yoga, i.e. <laughs> call back to my sophomore year of uh, college when I got super, super into vinyasa, I think a lot of people can be really uncertain about doing yoga because it's intimidating and it is a lot of what we see nowadays particularly on social media is sort of this um grandiose 
form of yoga that's mostly just for like showing off, you know? It's about the headstands, it's about doing these acrobatic feats that, you know, showcase strength and flexibility. But yoga doesn't have to be that. And self-care through movement doesn't have to mean um, working, working out, I guess. Um, for some people, it is going to be working out. But if you want to just take some time for yourself to sort of nourish your body through movement, and if you want to try yoga, um, some forms that can be really good for you could be restorative or yin yoga. I haven't done restorative yoga, and I really want to get into yin yoga. But um, yin yoga especially, because yin yoga is all about sitting in poses for a really long time. And it's not like, you know, sitting in a handstand for 10 minutes or whatever. It's sort of these um, passive stre stretches and you just sort of sit in them. And to me, at least, that's very attractive because as someone who loves vinyasa, but at the present moment is not doing a lot of it because of um, physical strength reasons, I am very called to sort of um, the, the more, I don't want to say feminine, but uh, I do believe yin yoga is sort of more um, associated with the feminine aspect, as in the passive, as in the nourishing, as in, you know, that element. Um, yin yoga can also be a really good way to incorporate movement, uh, honor your body through movement, but also to allow yourself to sit in your motions, you know, allow yourself time to be in a pose and just Feel how it makes you feel, honor that, and, you know, let that be what it needs to be. Um, restorative and yin yoga, I have heard for a lot of people, can be very, very emotional. So that is another form of self-care, I think, that can be very valuable in terms of, you know, using self-care as magic. Uh, particularly, again, it can be sort of shadow worky if you are doing yoga and just allowing yourself to feel the emotions that arise from what you're doing. Um, another one is meditation. Meditation's a big one. A lot of people talk about meditation. Um, I think a lot of people, when they think self-care with meditation, is they think sort of that stereotypical shadow work sort of thing. But I find that self-care for me, when I do meditation, and again, I've been doing it every single day, and one of the ways that I've been able to keep up with it is I do meditation in ways that feel good to me. So I like to do spirit guide guided meditations um, because that does help me get into the space to connect with them more. Um, but I also really just like doing them right before bed, you know, to go to sleep. I like to put on sort of sleep-guided meditations. And so it might not seem like, oh, that doing meditation like that isn't self-care because, you know, you're not actively trying to do something to delve deep into yourself. But, I mean, it is self-care for me because it, in those forms, gives me space to communicate 
with spirit as well as is someone who has struggled with insomnia and has had sleep problems all of their life using sleep meditations to fall asleep is a really nice way of creating a habit to not only be mindful and give myself time through meditation but also I don't have to take a bunch of pills to try and fall asleep I care for my body in that way where I'm more mindful but I also get to keep my body free of unnecessary sort of um, medications as much as I can um another one is journaling I think that one's pretty self-explanatory I think it's you know when people think self-care a lot of people think um journaling but just like with meditation journaling can be about whatever um, it doesn't have to be like that stereotypical shadow work type of journaling. It can just be journaling about your day. Um, I don't really do journaling anymore, but if I have particularly um, weird <laughs> dreams or dreams where I wake up and I'm like, this feels important, like I need to remember this, I'll write it down. And that that's enough for me, journaling and just um, being like, okay, I am honoring the messages that might be coming through my dreams by <laughs> writing them down if I feel like um, there might be something there. Like I said earlier, you know, eating and drinking enough water, nourishing your body in that way, but definitely if you're someone who has trauma in relationship to those things, it can, it can be a form of shadow work and it does come with a lot of sort of contemplation. Um, it can be a real struggle. So, be careful about that one. Of course, always make sure you are eating enough and drinking enough water. But if you are looking at self-care as magic and are looking at something like that, you know, it can be it can be really emotional and it can be really difficult to confront yourself if um you have deprived yourself in those ways. Another form of self-care that's really really simple in theory, is taking your medications if you take meds, you know? If you take meds <laughs> to make sure that your body is functioning in the way that it needs to, it is a form of self-care to take your meds. You are caring for your body by making sure it has the things it needs to function. And in that, if your body is functioning in the way it needs to, that gives you the ability to practice your magic that gives you the ability to go about every other aspect in your life with more energy and sort of being closer to your full potential so taking your meds which is super simple is a form of self-care or if it's something that is difficult for you and you're like oh I always forget you know think of it as self-care think about it as self-care to be able to practice your magic to be able to deepen your spiritual practice because it is um, I talked about, you know, eating, making yourself a meal, especially it can be a alone time for you. Um, but also just having a meal that you made for yourself is very magical. Um, spending quality time with others is very important. And I want to specify quality time because just being around other people, while yes, it can be a form of self-care, particularly if you don't spend a lot of time with people, um, Spending quality time is particularly important and nourishing, and I view very much so as self-care. 
because spending quality time allows you to deepen your connection with others and in turn I think allows you to open up more in your spirituality if you are having a good time with other people usually that allows you um more space to just have joy in your life and from there allows you to incorporate that into various aspects of your life um and the next one is um taking naps or taking breaks and this one can very easily uh fall into the realm of too much but if you're someone who's constantly go 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 taking breaks can be really hard and it's another one of those sort of shadow work things if that's sort of what it is to you is like your self-harm sort of habits are you know not giving yourself breaks which I have been um a perpetrator of in the past uh is taking time to honor the fact that you are tired and this doesn't even have to be for people who are go 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 all the time if you feel tired and it's not like you constantly want to take depression naps or something honor that you know honor your body's way of telling you that you need to rest so take a nap if you need to take a break if you need to um if it's sort of a problem where you you know take five hour naps in the middle of the day or you're taking naps all of the time you know self-care with naps and breaks would be could be breaking that down a little bit you know cutting it back from five hours to four and slowly working on that you know just self-care and acknowledging um what taking breaks is for you and going with that in whatever direction you need to to sort of um create a better space for yourself and to take care of yourself the last one that I wrote down, and of course there are so many ways to practice self-care, but the last one that I wrote is taking time for your passions. Um, similar to sort of that eating thing, drinking enough water, and saying that as shadow work, taking time for yourself to do non-essential things um, is very much so a form of self-care and can be a form of shadow work as well in the very similar vein to what I was talking about with eating and drinking enough water. If you are someone, especially, again, that go, go, go person, or you're someone who's like, if this is not entirely necessary, then I'm not going to do it, you know, particularly if you go about that with sort of that mindset of, I do not deserve to take time for myself to do the things that I love and am passionate about because of X, Y, Z. Self-care, giving yourself that time to do the things that you love it can be very, very impactful. So once again, sort of that shadow worky element of self-care, take time to do the things you love. Give yourself time to follow your passions. You know, if you love writing, give yourself 15 minutes to just write. If you love reading, make it reading, etc., etc. So to sort of wrap up this bit, because I do want to um, talk to you guys a little bit about this lovely book that I have read that I want to recommend. Um, I'm going to finish up this portion by saying self-care does not need to be aesthetic. It does not need to be what you see on social media. It does not need to be that aspect of self-care that can very often be income exclusive. Um, it can 
also be magic. If you want to make it magic, you can. And um, if you want to work on shadow work in your practice, a big thing that you can do for that is self-care and acknowledging the ways in which you deprive yourself in your life and sort of combating that by practicing self-care to nurture and nourish yourself in those areas that you've been lacking in um, and sort of taking care of yourself and taking the time to confront why you do not um, nurture and nourish yourself in those ways and sort of working on getting to the point where you can say, I do deserve these things. These things are important and I need them. And yeah, I think that's what I have to say about that. Just there are so many ways to practice self-care and self-care can be so magical, not just in using crystals and drinking tea and sort of things like that. Self-care can be magical in the way that it nurtures and nourishes the mind, body, and soul. So this has been really, really long, and there's even going to be more after this. But I do want to say, take your time. Um, Self-care, especially when you're looking at it as a form of shadow work, can be very, very... Um, draining. It can be very, very intense. So always take care of yourselves. Um, do the aesthetic if you can and if you want. Um, but also if you are wanting to sort of incorporate that deeper aspect into your practice, not just, you know, the aesthetic love and light thing, um, look at your self-care as shadow work. Look at your self-care as an act of magic, as an act of bettering yourself and creating stronger foundations from which to um, utilize your spiritual practice because your spiritual practice is highly dependent on how you are doing physically, mentally, and emotionally. Of course, do what you can in terms of sort of external, you know, obviously, if you want to do shadow work as journaling, if you want to do shadow work as therapy, that is a-okay, that is wonderful, and I sincerely hope that goes wonderfully for you but you know if you don't have the sort of um income for that if you don't have the resources to do stuff like that or if it just doesn't work for you uh as much as it does for what it seems to work for other people just remember there are so many ways to take care of yourself check in with yourself and do the things that most nurture and nourish you. And if you take anything from this, it is that mantra of nurturing and nourishing yourself. Self-care is nurturing and nourishing, which is why it is so important and why it can be so useful to see it as shadow work. Because shadow work, as much as it can be draining and sort of emotional and not fun a lot of the time, just remember in the end, it is nurturing you and it is nourishing you. And that is very important for your spiritual practice. So I will leave this at that and I will take a quick break and be right back so I can discuss this lovely book called Witchy Femmes, Queer Conjurers and Magical Rebels Becoming Dangerous, edited by Katie West and Jasmine Elliott. 
So yeah, go ahead and replenish your drink and snack if you need to. Otherwise, have a wonderful day and I will be right back if you want to hear about this book. Hello everyone. I'm back. I got myself a cup of tea, white peppermint as I am definitely feeling the Christmas spirit. I put up my Christmas tree yesterday and I also bought a twisted peppermint candle which is my favorite holiday scent. So I am really leaning into that because I am so so excited for Christmas which I'm also really anxious about because I don't have a lot of money and I really want to get people gifts because I love getting people gifts, especially ones that they really enjoy. Um, so that's a little bit anxiety inducing. However, it's just so hard to be sad when Christmas comes around, even though I hate the capitalist aspect and I don't follow it religiously. And it's been very wet like rain <laughs> not really snow and it's been quite unusually warm but all of that being said I love the Christmas spirit it's just such a happy time of year for me so got me some white peppermint um white tea and I have my book which if you hear me flipping through sorry not sorry <laughs> but I will be flipping through uh to tell you guys about a couple of these stories so, once again, this book is called Becoming Dangerous. Um, it's edited by Katie West and Jasmine Elliott, and it is absolutely wonderful. I got this book off of Amazon before I decided that I was no longer going to support Amazon as much as I could. Um, but, you know, if that is not something that you are able to do at this time and you are interested in this book, it is on Amazon. Um... But, you know, of course, as always, if it is within your means, I definitely recommend supporting um, other businesses in terms of buying books. Um, but yeah, so there are four sort of stories in here. And this is, I don't know if you would call it an anthology. I'm going to be honest, I don't really know what that means. But I do know collections of essays do tend to have that with it. But for sake of not necessarily knowing what that means, um, this is a collection of essays that people wrote and that um, was sort of collected here into this book. So out of them all, and let me flip to the table of contents to see how many there are. Um, oh, I'm going to have to count these. Goodness gracious. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. So there are 21 essays in here. Um, I have read through most of them so far, and they are lovely. They are absolutely wonderful. I will have to preface, though, um, that this book does have uh, quite a number of trigger warnings. A lot of it sort of talks about um, trauma, there are ones that talk about self-harm in various aspects. Um, there are trans and queer writers in here. So obviously no trigger warnings for um, 
negative aspects that have to do with that, sort of heavy aspects that have to do with that. There's PTSD, um, sexual assault. So um, if you are sensitive to those things, do be advised. However, what's nice about this book um, is that it does actually have a section that's kind of like a table of contents. Um, I mean, it does have a table of contents, but it also has a sort of like content warning table of contents tense um so for me it is on page 20 and 21 roman numerals um and so it does you know list the the content warnings which is really nice so for example the first one i am talking about if you go to the content warning um sort of table of contents uh it says discussions of excrement death and grief um, the next one, explicit, explicit discussions of rape, abuse, self-injury, disassociation, PTSD, um, and so on and so forth. I am not going to be getting into these graphically. Um, I'm not going to be reading them because that would take forever. Um, but I will just say, again, there are sensitive topics in here. Uh, but if you do want to get this book, it does have a lovely little... Um, section that does give you content warnings for all of these stories. So because this episode was on self-care and self-care is magic, I wanted to talk about these four essays um, that really struck me when I read them. And I'm sure there's more in here. I haven't completed the book. Um, I still have a few at the very end. But I also, uh, when I first got this like a year ago, I think, um, I read the first few essays and I can't for the life of me remember them now <laughs> so those could potentially be very well for this as well but I will start with the first one um the first story actually that I got into this book with um more recently um and yeah so this essay is called Garden by Margaret Bennett in my edition it's on page 81 starts there uh and so this essay talked about um I believe Margaret Bennett uses she her hang on let me flip to the back and see if maybe it says um yes okay so she her so her essay is about this garden and I believe she lives in like New Mexico or um oh what's that one that's next with that starts with an a not arkansas it's a different one <laughs> i can't remember um arizona that's it um it's one of those two i believe if i am not mistaken moral of the story there is that she lives in sort of like a deserty area, you know, a place that is not necessarily great for gardening. However, she talks about this garden that she has and this garden that she had she uses um following, you know, this grief that she has. And once again, I will be honest. It's been a, a minute since I've read this. So, I don't remember if it was a death or a divorce. Let me get to the content warnings table, because maybe it'll tell me. Um, yeah, I believe it's death. So, um, 
she talks about how she has this garden and literally the first line in this essay is a garden is an altar and she sort of talks about like the sort of spiritual slash magical elements of like keeping this garden alive however a lot of it is about working through her grief and how um getting away from where she was and sort of creating this little garden in this I guess wasteland but like you know not a place where like a garden like that would exist and sort of having to fight against the elements to keep her garden alive and healthy um it, it's like a form of self-care because it allows her to work through her grief um but she also talks about how she knows that she will work her hardest to keep this garden alive but in the end like the garden's going to go on without her and it's not going to necessarily care you know if it if another person takes up the task of keeping it alive in the end it goes on without people um and so for me, this one was very important in sort of this element of talking about self-care and self-care as magic, because something like this in terms of like gardening and getting into, I guess, activities like this, getting into hobbies, passions, whatever you want to call it, like gardening can be very therapeutic. For Margaret Bennett, it's a way in which to work through grief and in that way create sort of this spiritual journey and understanding for her um but for other people you know it's it's different things so this is just another this is an essay that i think really um excellently exemplifies the ways in which self-care and hobbies and stuff like that can um be magic and the ways in which they can nourish the body and allow for sort of spiritual advancement and spiritual healing. Um, so that's a really good recommendation. If you have this book or if you get this book and you sort of want to read some essays that kind of have to do with the self-care element, um, Garden by Margaret Bennett is a really good one. So the next one I want to talk about, this one is definitely one that is way more, um, sensitive uh it's it's quite explicit uh in terms of the stuff that you would consider um under content warnings so oh let me see if i can find it here it is so this one is called the harpy by meredith yayanos and hopefully i said that right so this essay and let me check the back once again to make sure i'm using correct pronouns um, this essay is about, doo, 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 doo. yes, she, heard. um, talks about a woman who is going to therapy and how therapy is kind of this special sacred time in which she is able to work through her traumas, um, but also in the way that her therapy allows her to sort of explore various aspects of herself. So the harpy in this essay um, talks about or 
alludes to this aspect of her that is sort of the badass, kind of monstrous, like, um, intense, angry part of her. Uh, and there are other parts of her that she talks about and how, you know, these are aspects that very much so are linked to her extreme traumas and the, the um, issues she is still struggling to uh, live with and overcome in her day-to-day -day life. And what I really like about this essay in terms of the topic of self-care and self-care is magic is that, you know, it's an essay that is very heavily rooted in sort of that very common self-care through therapy aspect. Um, but it also kind of incorporates that magical aspect with it in the ways that self-care through uh, therapy, sorry, <laughs> I just forgot the word, uh, self-care through therapy can also be magic, and it can also be a way in which to, um, lay the foundations for sort of, uh, spiritual, um, growth. So, this is a really good essay, but I will say this one is, very very um heavy in the sensitive topic so do read with caution if you are sensitive to things like that um so this next essay is actually the reason that i decided to go back to this book and look at it because i was like oh this is very inspired by or not inspired by this is very um related to what inspired me to do this topic for this episode so this essay is called Fingertips by Merritt K. And this um, essay is about, I guess, um, so Merritt K talks about um, her nails and like the ritual of getting her nails done and um, sort of the various aspects of like, how she has struggled with um, various forms of mental illness and um, people and traumatic situations, but how through the ritual of getting her nails done is um, something that she has for herself that she can do and that she can always rely on. Uh, because no matter what is going on in her life, she will always have these nice nails that she gets done because it's very important for her to do that. Um, but I really enjoyed this one because when I read this, it resonated so much. I might not, you know, go to a nail salon and get my nails done. You know, I don't get acrylics or anything, but I super resonated with the sort of ritual of doing your nails and having it be sort of this form of security, having it be a sort of constant and a way to be like, sure, everything in my life might be crazy and unpredictable and this and that, but at least I know my nails are nice. At least I know I have or will have this time to do this one thing. So Fingertips by Merritt Kay was one that very much so I personally resonated with. Um, and I, I really loved getting to read sort of something that talks about 
that you that you might not necessarily think of initially as self-care but again getting your nails done doing your nails yourself is a form of self-care and for some people it can very much so delve into that sort of self-care shadow work aspect so the last essay I wanted to briefly touch on and mention in terms of this self-care topic is Red Glitter by Sophie St. Thomas. This one is very sexual. Um, not in like a, it explicitly is about sex or whatever, but this is one that, you know, references self-pleasure, pleasure with partners, talks about sex magic. Um, and I really liked that because not only does it align with some of my other interests and things that I want to learn about, like sex magic, because that's not something I know very much about and is not very often talked about, but, um, she talks about sort of this really bad breakup that she had and the ways in which she goes about sort of reconstructing herself um after this bad breakup in which it felt like she just didn't have space in her life anymore if that makes any sense um so she talks about that and a lot of it has to do with sort of this sexual aspect um but it also, you know, has other aspects of magic. So this one I just really, really loved because I think a lot of people, when they think self-care, they also don't think things like sex magic. And I mean, this one does have, you know, that sort of quote-unquote stereotypical, like, bathtub moment. However, it's very much so about this sort of spiritual element element that has to do with sexuality and um working through trauma and um negative situations with that and I think that's really important I didn't touch upon that today um because I would like to do future episodes discussing sex magic and stuff like that but again it's sort of a quote-unquote non-conventional form of self-care that I think is really important and especially sex magic can be super, super difficult for people in terms of confronting that shadow self. Uh, I know personally, I haven't gotten into it yet, but I think in researching sex magic, I will definitely have to confront some of um, my shadow self that has to do with my sexuality and my views on sex. Uh, so reading something like that and reading that essay that sort of talks about this development and spiritual awakening, I suppose, um, that comes from utilizing sex magic is very important uh, because it's another form of self-care, but it's not one that I think people typically see. And so again, I highly recommend this book. I think it is lovely. It has so many excellent essays outside of these four, but these four kind of had those elements of self-care and how that relates to magic, um, especially in ways that are non-traditional. Um, the Harpy was a little bit, I, I think, more along the lines of what people traditionally think is self-care because it does have a very heavy element of um, therapy. However, 
there are very many non-conventional aspects of self-care in these four essays that I think are really important and um, I definitely recommend reading if you are um, not sensitive to the topics within them because it's very illuminating. So I recommend the book for this specific topic of self-care. I recommend these four essays. Um, but yeah, so that is it for the episode. This has been a long one, but this is definitely something um, topic-wise that I'm, I'm very passionate about and that I definitely wanted to dive into a little bit more because I think a lot of people just don't talk about self-care in this way. And when it comes to other topics such as shadow work, people often do not um, talk about the ways in which self-care can be a form of shadow work. So hopefully uh, you guys have found this interesting. Maybe some of you will take some of these with you and sort of use them for your spiritual practice. I hope so. If you do, as always, um, treat yourself with kindness. Make sure you are taking things as slow as you need to and honor the ways that you react. Honor yourself and the fact that your journey is your own and it's going to go at your own pace. So as always, thank you so much for joining me. I am super excited to keep going with this. And actually at this very moment, my eyes are tearing up. I'm not even really sure why, but I think it's because this was just such a lovely topic. And I'm so excited to keep going forward with you guys and sort of talking about these aspects of magic and spirituality that maybe you've not seen a lot of stuff on. A lot of this comes, um, for me, this comes from sort of an area of interest, you know, even if they're not aspects that I necessarily am going to put into my practice. Um, you know, there are all of these things that I want to learn about because people don't talk about them very much or they're really stigmatized. So hopefully, this was good, and you guys are looking forward to stuff in the future. Again, um, I will be looking at stuff that falls along the quote-unquote darker side of witchcraft. I will be talking about the taboos and the sort of, not necessarily unexplored, but less explored areas of spirituality and witchcraft, such as sex magic, um, specifically looking at stuff like, you know, using menstrual blood in magic, because I think you know, maybe sexual magic, uh, sex magic isn't necessarily as unexplored, but I think people definitely stigmatize and don't look at, you know, like using bodily fluids and magic. Um, but yeah, I am going to continue to try and deep dive into topics that, um, I have not seen too much of and yeah, hopefully it'll be, as helpful and um, fun to listen to for you guys as it has been for me to research and talk about on here. And yeah, I know this has been a really, really long episode, but I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, go ahead and leave reviews, leave stars where you can. Um, by the time you hear this episode, I will finally have my social medias. I don't currently have them. Maybe I'll go do them right now. But um, I will put in the show notes where you can find those if you want to follow me, if you want to um, give me ideas for topics that you want to hear about, etc., etc. And with that, I hope 
wherever you are, whatever time of day it is, that you have a fantastic um, rest of your day. And I hope you are able to identify and start utilizing self-care practices in your life that most nourish and nurture you. With that, until next time, guys. Bye-bye. Thank mm -hmm. you.